The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I am your hostess, Tara Kennedy Klein, and I am just uh, thrilled, as usual, to be here presenting a really important topic to you today, um, which is bullying. And a lot of us assume that bullying stops when school lets out for the summer, and uh, it it doesn't. I'm here to tell you that there are park programs and pools and playgrounds and baseball fields all over the United States <laughs> where bullying still goes on, uh, even when children aren't in school. You know, I always start my show with a rant-type segment where I talk about something that's going on in the news. And uh, being that I'm a kid-related show, I can't ignore what just happened on Saturday when a jury found Mr. George Zimmerman not guilty of manslaughter of a 17-year-old young man, Trayvon Martin. Look, peeps, um, we all have our own opinions on this, and we are all armchair detectives, and we are all armchair lawyers, and every one of us knows better than everyone else how that should have gone down and what that verdict should have been. And there's a lot of ugliness going on in the world right now because people are fighting for the rights of a a young man who's gone or the rights of a man who was protecting his community. We all have our opinions on it, but what we can't deny, ladies and gentlemen, is this was a matter of choices. It wasn't a matter of tattoos or race or, um, you know, age or stereotypes. You know, Mr. Zimmerman made a choice and Trayvon made a choice. Trayvon made a choice to be walking by himself at 11 o'clock at night in a gated community and take offense to a person who was asking him questions about why he was there. Mr. Zimmerman chose to ignore the authorities that told him to stay in his vehicle and pursue a young man that he didn't know. It was assumptions and it was choices and they were, they were bad choices. Both of them made bad choices. And as a result, Trayvon is dead. And if there is anything that can come of this, we as a society have to realize that We have to stop and freaking think every once in a while. Instead of letting our emotions and our passion and our blood pressure drive everything that we do and our judgment of other people, stop and freaking think before you make 
a determination that's going to affect the rest of your life. And guess what, people? You are going to make choices every single day, every single minute that can affect the rest of your life. So stop being so hot-headed. Stop being so defensive. Realize that we all have a reason to be here. And just because you don't like someone's reason for being there, don't assume that you can correct them or fix them or teach them a lesson. Sit down or stand there, get quiet and think. If either one of those men had stopped and thought before they reacted, none of that would have gone down the way it would have, the way it did. If George Zimmerman would have driven up to Trayvon and said, hey, buddy, it's past curfew and you're in a gated community, can I give you a ride home? He wouldn't be dead. And if Trayvon would have said, dude, I'm sorry, I know that I'm new here. Look, I'm with my dad and I got nothing. Trayvon wouldn't be dead. So stop holding it against racism and each other and realize that two people made stupid choices. And this doesn't have anything to do with you unless you're learning something from it. And that's all I have to say about that. Damn it. (sighs) And now Dr. Cerullo is going to get my head on straight. (laughs) Um, Because he's going to talk to us about bullying. And you know what? I think he's going to have something really enlightening to say about this whole situation too. Because this man is just brilliant. He started Teach Anti-Bullying. Because he was a principal, he was dealing with this stuff every day, he's written books on it, he did a keynote speech, the very first keynote at an anti-bullying rally in in Louisiana, which, oh my gosh, if you're going to do a keynote speech anywhere, it's going to be Louisiana, right? Or Chicago or whatever, but I love him, I love what he has to say, I love how he approaches it, I love his partner, Daniela. And I'm so excited to have them on the show to talk to us about uh, the whole anti-bullying movement that we're going to start as parents. So please welcome Dr. Claudio Cerullo. Hey, how are you today, Dr. Cerullo? Good good morning. How are you? How are you? Are you okay now? You calmed down a bit? (laughs) Dude, I am never calm. That is one thing. I'm still... I'm happy, or I'm excited, or I'm pissed off, but calm. Yeah, I I, I feel your pain. So tell me, what do you think about that? It's unfortunate. (laughs) To me, we were driving home from a birthday uh, in Hershey Saturday, and I got a text from a friend that said, not guilty. And quite frankly, it it shocked me because I was following it all throughout the time the trial was going on on CNN, and... And uh, as it looked like one side was promising, the other side then was not so promising. But in the end, I I truly thought they would hold Zimmerman accountable for for taking a young man's life. And regardless of who may have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, in in my humble opinion, the only question that I can't seem to grapple with is, is why didn't you just let the young man go home? I mean, that's the bottom line. And so... You're right. A young life was taken. Perhaps both, you know, parties used poor judgment. But ultimately, you know, the aftermath of this is is continued hatred and, and violence. Uh, in, in some cases, in some cities, uh, that, that that may or may not end now in the near future. Which, you know, when we talk about profiling, you know, bullying is along the lines of of exactly that. You know, people are targeted based on how they look, perceptions of how they look. And, uh, you know, Trayvon Martin perhaps was a victim in, in the same sense. It was about how he looked, perhaps his uh, 
you know, is wearing a hoodie and so forth. And, and you know, another party didn't care much for how his appearance came off. You know, they, they, they profiled him as a criminal before he was even judged as such. So it's the nature of our, of our world. Um, it's not going to get any better. I don't think that we're ever out of the whole, uh, uh, you know, perception of how we judge people. And, and we're not all created under, under one umbrella, under God's umbrella. I, I really do. I think that the whole idea of, uh, of our world is not about we're all one, one color. So mm-hmm. it's a very challenging topic, um, but a very frustrating, discouraging one. Yeah. I just, you know, the thing that amazed me are the people that are saying things like, would you want a six foot tall black man wearing a hood walking through your gated community at 11 o'clock at night? Dude, seriously, you should call the NFL because like 90% of their players fall under that umbrella and we're not going to be arresting them. We're not going to be suspecting them of anything. I think Trayvon paid the price for our horrible perception of teenagers in general as a society. That's right. That's right. You know, and it's unfortunate that it's all about statutes, the way it reads in the the criminal uh, crimes codes. And uh, they read it accordingly that he was defending himself and he had the right to defend himself. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the criminal justice system. That's the legal system. While it's not not perfect, it is the United States way. You know, and and now, unfortunately, people have to have to contemplate the decisions that they've rendered, and those jurors will have to live with that decision. And ultimately, just like in a local boy here in our county, Bailey O'Neill, whose life was taken because he was oh. punched in the face in the schoolyard, you know, brawl. You know, a family has lost a child at a very young age, and you know, I don't know how you replace that. So. Yeah, you don't. But, and if uh, you don't learn anything from it, that's the real crime. Yeah. You know that what I mean? Is true. If it's just a loss of life and true. we don't learn anything through it, then it then it's then that's the real crime. You know, you said something that completely speaks to me in the first part of what you said was I believe that our justice system is failing because it focuses on guilt or innocence instead of accountability. That's right. That's right. And, and so, and, and that's where we are, you know, when you parallel the introductory topic you introduced uh, with respect to the Georgia Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin issue, you know, with bullying, if you parallel it to that, we're not holding people accountable for their actions, you know, whether, mm-hmm. it, whether you know, and unfortunately, and, and, and I'm not saying after the fact, whether it's a Jerry Sandusky or a Mike Rice at Rutgers, you know, these, these types of individuals, you know, who are, are, are victim in their own way um, and, and should have been held guilt, guilty or held accountable for their actions towards children, you know, many years prior to, to the action finally coming forward that they, they were actually finally, you know, either dismissed or, or convicted of a crime. Um, but, you know, in the case of this Trayvon Moran case, you know, how does, how does George Zimmerman, how is he held accountable for his action? So, you know, I mean... Uh, it's 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 a hard it's a hard it's a hard topic to discuss because everybody if you if you if you talk to someone in the African American community they see it one way and the and the Caucasian community they see it another way, um, you know. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they still go back to the jurors and then they and they did what was in our legal system's best interest. You know that they looked at the facts and that was a fact. But it's always when in the court system the the problem is it's always based on on the on the crimes code statute you know if, if it's simple assault to kick push or shove with the intent to do bodily harm 
the operative mm-hmm. word being intent. Did somebody intend to do it on purpose? So if they didn't and you can't prove that, then essentially, you know, that person gets off, you know, is, is it, or theft by deception. Did somebody really, you know, intended to deceive somebody? And, you know, you take a risk. It's a risk. You know, maybe the person's innocent and they're held guilty, or maybe they're guilty and they're, and they're held to, to an innocent. But, you know, in the perception of public opinion, you know, I'm sure everyone in poll being taken that George Zimmerman should have been held accountable for his actions. Uh, um, in turn, and we tell kids in the bullying world, you know, is it is it best to fight back to punch somebody in the face because you get hit in the face? Is that eliminating right. the violence? You know what George exactly. Zimmerman did? He could have restrained the young man. He could have walked away. He could have let police handle it. No, he took matters into his own hands like a vigilante, and and, and uh, obviously you have the death of a young man. So, and, and exactly. that's no different when you parallel this to bullying. You know, we we try to teach children to walk away. You don't need to confront. Exactly. You don't need to retaliate. All of the things we talk about. And uh, when two, and when two children talk about we come out from this break, okay? She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. You ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you. Hold your hand as they point the way and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend, Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail your spiritual girlfriend every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time only here on the Woohoo Radio Network
Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. We have started off with a bang, which I knew we were going to do. I'm <laughs> being joined by my guest today, Dr. Cerullo, who is the founder of Teach Anti-Bullying and his partner, Daniela. She, you're the vi- vice president, right, Daniela? And uh, before the break, we were talking about how the whole Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman situation so relates back to what we teach kids and what we're trying to teach kids about bullying and how, you know, there are alternatives, there are options, there are choices that we make in every single situation in our life. We can choose to fight or we can choose to walk away or we can choose to try to make friends with that person. I mean, as silly as that sounds, me being a um, kind of a lighthearted person I try to turn everything into a joke, and that doesn't always work for me, but I can tell you, at four foot nine, when I was in school, I got picked on a lot, and uh, I would make friends with the people that were picking on me. Seriously, some of the people that beat me up the worst in school are now my best friends, and that's like 26 years out of high school. So, um, yes, uh, Selena Allen, I'm talking to you, so... So anyway, um, to Dr. Cerullo, tell us how um, how this whole anti-bullying, teach anti-bullying thing got started for you. And measures to do so, um, and this was back in 1999. You know, shortly after Columbine, and then shortly thereafter, you have, or prior to that, you had the Paducah, Kentucky, and kind of the onset of many, you know, school shootings. We thought that that would be the end of it. You know, not nobody really knew that we would have another 107 school bu- uh, school shootings directly related to bullying, and up until 2012. And over the years, uh, you know, I had always done a lot of work on behavior modification and working with school discipline measures and I never really had problems with kids. I, I, they always respected me, and I respected them, and we established what the anthropologists call a balanced reciprocity um, theory. And uh, in roughly 2010, I, I launched my own kind of um, consulting firm, if you will, and in, in doing a lot of workshops and professional development opportunities just in, 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 in bullying. Because um, what happened was after 2005, the media really tagged bullying after Phoebe Prince took her life uh, in a cyber incident. And mm-hmm. I really got into more of the research on what's causing bullying. And, and bullying, you know, has been around since, <laughs> in a positive connotation, since the 1420s. 
And then later in life, uh, 300 plus years, 300 plus years later, now it takes on a very negative connotation and it's used, you know, probably overused in today's society um, to, to denote something that's negative in our children or even in our adults in terms of how it's defined. And later on, I had done a program in the fall of 2011 at a local Catholic school and several parents, and the, and the topic was on bullying and, and how it impacts upon children with special needs or those with hidden disabilities. And after the workshop, several parents had come up to me and were interested in get, being a part of the pro organization or a part of this, uh, learning more about anti-bullying. And mm -hmm. uh, one parent in particular who had a child who has a child on the autism spectrum had said, you know, how can I get involved? How can I help you? And this particular parent, um, you know, two and a half years ago happened to be Daniela Redpath, who has a, has a little boy who's 11 with Asperger's syndrome. And she talked to me about her son, and I was very taken back by how her, her young boy, David, had, was a victim to bullying since kindergarten. And she would tell me the story, and it would, you know, I'm a very emotional person to begin with, and very sensitive to children's, uh, to children being victim for nothing, for no reason. When you, when you hear the story, you say, well, how can that be, and why would kids be that mean? And, and they, they, some children just are, whether it's girls, whether it's boys, and whether they come from good families or, or, or displaced or dysfunctional families, children in today's world learn things that, that perhaps 30 years ago I never even grew up with, or you just accepted it and that's the way it was. Um, so we sat down with this parent group among some other parents that had older children and said, why don't you, would you ever consider launching a nonprofit? And I had always worked with nonprofits, whether it was Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or or United Way and so forth, but I had never really known much about the intricates of how to start it. So they we had uh, I took money out of my own you know own pocket to launch uh, all the paperwork needed to start Teach Anti Bullying Inc. And we incorporated first in Delaware, and then we incorporated in, in uh, Pennsylvania because we wanted to be based in Delaware in Delaware County, um, and we got support. And slowly after 2011 in November. We put all the key pieces together. We had some personal friends who became board members who have, you know, since gone on to do different things, and we have replaced those board members with some more innovative and passionate and uh, power-driven board members. Um, and then we tweak, and we tweak, and we still tweak as of yesterday, and we grow, and we started to do one school and one next school, and then all of a sudden we get a big break in Louisiana where the governor, Bobby Jindal, contacts us and wants to do a call to action summit and we become the the organization of choice you know it was a wonderful program for for teachers from lsu and southern university and law enforcement and so we we, we were i was the keynote speaker i'd never been a keynote speaker to that high level and then from there it kind of now we're doing a lot of stuff the the challenge is always as any organization in the nonprofit or 501c3 world is raising money doing fundraisers mm -hmm. and getting grants. And so we're struggling in, in those particular areas, but but the mission and vision is, has been preserved in the, in the thousands of kids that we have helped nationwide. You know, my, my, my recent book that I dedicated, ironically, to David is My Name is David, I Have Autism and I Was Bullied, uh, was previewed by Ellen on the Ellen DeGeneres Show in April of, of, this, of this year. So that was a big break. I got to get on the CW Network uh, uh, show with a, new, a news talk show that launches this fall. And it's it awesome. about teen issues. So, you know, 
that's kind of how the pieces came together. And, and, and certainly, you know, my frustration is that we can do, we can do more, but, but we need a lot more support. We need more volunteers. We need more service learning students from local colleges. You know, we met yesterday about now we want to develop internships and get kids involved because the kids are the key players who will certainly relate to their peers uh, in, in terms of helping, you know, people tell, ask me all the time, you know, how do we eliminate bullying? And I can tell you honestly with all your listeners, you're never going to make bullying go away because you're never going to make somebody's attitude, just like it's a Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. Zimmerman had an attitude. He, he, he probably did not, you know, who, didn't like African Americans. You know, maybe we don't like Hispanics. Well, there's a profiling you know, and, and many of us, that, that you're never going to say, well, you have to like this person. No, I don't have to do anything. You know, I'm right. I have to stay away from them at the very least. And so, you know, at the very least, we want to try to reduce bullying incidences, which um, unfortunately, since 2009, it has only gone up. There has been no decrease in bullying incidents in the United States in nearly the past 14 years now. Um, the, the other major issue that, that is, is a big problem in the United States is teen suicide within the ages of 13 to 19. It is now coined the third leading cause of death among our teens by the Center for Disease Control. We've lost uh, 1,700 kids to Facebook incidents since 2010 alone. Cyberbullying is, is up nearly 62% right now in the United States. And so, you know, it's not about the physical. It's not about what we grew up when I was punched in the face, in, in, you know, in sixth grade. It is about ways to hurt people and to, to uh, lower somebody's psychological, emotional, intrinsic, you know, variables uh, at a way where I may or may not get caught. And that's, you know, hiding behind the cyber world. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of how teach anti-bullying came to be. Um, and so we're doing things I believe that a lot of other organizations aren't doing, and that is being straight about what bullying is and what it is not. I, I think there's still a lot of people who don't understand it truly what it is and what it isn't, and providing measures to eliminate it. You know, when we go into these schools and we talk to teachers all the time, it, you'll be shocked, I mean, horrified at what they truly don't know about something that seems pretty basic by definition. And I always start off with a, with a, a ten-question pretest. You know, so there's a lot they don't know. There's a lot of perceptions about what they think they know, um, you know, and that includes people in the law enforcement community. There's a lot of things. It's not about just arresting someone for what is the perception of a crime, which bullying is not a crime. It's what is done, whether it's the act of harassment or the act of a physical assault that's the crime. But there's a mm -hmm. lot of variables in between that, 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 that our, our partners collaboratively, whether it's our teachers, our law enforcement officials, our pastors, can learn about bridging the gap so tragedies don't occur, whether it's a profiling bullying tragedy or ethnic, and when you look at bullying under the racial or ethnic, that's where you can say, not that this is, again, it's not the same of a Trayvon Martin murder, but those elements, the ethnic and racial profiling, when that's done over duration, when that's done over a habitual pattern with some intensity and a power base, you have bullying, you have harassment at the adult level. Same tagline, we just don't use it with children. You know, right, no and I think it's that's the biggest the problem. Form. I think that's the biggest problem is that we don't identify what bullying really is. And That's so correct. I think That's the right. reason that, I think the reason that parents um, 
call out bullying too often and we only have like 30 seconds until we go to our next break but I think the reason that parents are calling out bullying too often is because parents have decided that bullying is anything that makes their child feel uncomfortable or bad in the moment. It's not repeated. It's not, it's, you know, what we used to call confrontation or teasing, now people are calling bullying. So when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about what we can actually do to identify what bullying really is and how we can help prevent it. Okay. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. To start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are being joined today by Dr. Claudio Cerullo, who is the founder of Teach Anti-Bullying, as well as his partner, Daniela. And uh, Daniela, you're the VP over there at Teaching Anti-Bullying, and you address um, kids with special needs because as the mom of a kid on the autism spectrum, my son has Asperger's as well. Um, It's really kind of a hard scenario because they don't get social cues. They don't get sarcasm. They don't get cynicism. They don't get the mockery that other kids get. Um, so they assume right. that everybody is their friend, you know? So if you're yeah. talking to me, you must be your friend, even if you're making fun of me and they just don't get it. So these kids are bullied. What is it like 65% more than the average kid? Correct. And you know what? It's so funny that, that you say everything you say is exactly the truth. Um, it is, you know, we, unfortunately, people who don't have children on the spectrum, it, it's so hard to understand as an adult, let alone a kid, trying to understand another child. You know what I mean? It, it, it's hard enough as <laughs> yes. to see how adults treat children with Asperger's or autism. So to expect that from a seven-year-old is very hard. But, yes, it is very difficult because they, children with autism or Asperger's or PPD or whatever the case is, are looking for a friend. They're just looking for somebody to say, you know, play with me. I want to be with you. I want, and, and unfortunately, my son, who's the most lovable kid in the world, I mean, he still hugs me and he's, you know, he's going into sixth grade. I shouldn't say that too loud, but, you know, he, I love that. Just I tell love the world that then. he still cuddles, you know what I mean? And hugs and he's yes. very, but if you go up to somebody and you hug them like another sixth grader, you know, that right there is, I'm, now I'm going to have to hurt you because why are you touching me? Like, you know, we shouldn't be doing that or they shouldn't, personal space issues and things like that. So they're yeah. quirky. You know, he's a little quirky, but he's lovable and, he, and he's a great friend. The problem is, is that, and Dr. Cerullo will talk about the, the variables that go with children with disabilities who are bullied because they have their own, you know, part of this that, that, that people don't realize, but, you know, he's manipulated and it's unfortunate because for example, he might be playing with a child who maybe that child is bored that day, right? And there's nobody else to play with. So my son is hanging around and so I'll just play with him. When other kids come along, my son is no longer part of the group. Now it's, you know, you're a retard, you're stupid, and we're going to run away from you and play hide and seek and you're never going to find us for the rest of the day. Those right. kinds of things happen all the time. Um, teachers of the school, you know, it's really important that parents communicate with the faculty and with the teachers and with the principal on a daily basis so they know what goes on with your child at home because whatever goes on at home comes back to school. And mm-hmm. a lot of times even teachers or aides or people in the cafeteria are working with your child and don't know your child's disability. And, you know, certain things that cannot be done, you just can't do, for example, one lunch monitor decided because David was kind of jumping up and down because that's just part of autism and having anxiety. And, you know, he was kind of all over the place. And she put him up against the fence and made him stay there for 35 minutes. What? And wouldn't let him move. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine where, where my head was. I, I, I saw fire. I would have turned into know, a bully for a minute. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, you know, there is another form of bullying, you know, and it, yeah. people just don't realize how it happens so often. But 
but children with Asperger's and autism are not always believed, or any child with a disability. They're not always believed, you know. They come home and say, this person did this to me or this person. And people say, well, you know what, it's probably just a kid with a disability. He doesn't get it. So maybe that didn't really happen. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so, so being a mom and, and, do, and, and being the vice president of this organization, you know, it's kind of twofold because I get to experience it in my home every day. Now, things have gotten better. He's going into the sixth grade. He's, you know, five foot one. So things are very different for him, but he still manages to get picked on with the little things that he likes to do. For example, we're the Griswolds at Christmas, so there's like 30 inflatable lawn ornaments because that's what he loves, you know, and he'd prefer to just play with those than go play basketball. Um, Sure. So he kind of gets mocked for that, you know, things like that. I don't know how you child experienced any of that kind of ridicule with the kind of quirkiness that he may have? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he has, like, two friends that have stuck with him since kindergarten. Like, I, I get, I don't know. Right. They, they David, know yeah. him. They've grown up with him. So his stuff isn't as unusual to those guys as it might be Correct. to, you know, when you get into a situation at, like, middle school or high school where multiple elementary schools right. are coming together and now everybody doesn't know everybody you know, so well, right. like those guys came my over fear and... for him, you know, going into the, into the sixth grade is because now the friends that he does have, they know his, his, his things that he likes and they, and they actually join in and they help him find things and they, they're just wonderful to him. But then you're right. When you bring five schools together in one, you're kind of starting all over again a little bit. So exactly. I think that causes a lot and of Alex stress for parents. But I'm going to shoot this over to Dr. C because I want him to share with you the, the three criteria for children with autism. Okay, cool. Are you there? Hey, Dr. Yes, C. Yes, I'm here. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, when, when you talk about just one point that needs to be, needs to be uh, qualified, when you're looking at children like Daniela's son or, or other children who are about to transition from, from elementary school, being fifth grade, you know, and when you go to sixth grade, which in many high schools or middle schools across the country, the composition for middle school is grades six, seven, and eight. However, when you look at the child's maturation at age 11 and 12, that, that age, you know, um, is still an elementary-based maturation age. So children generally, because they're middle schoolers in sixth grade, um, that's still considered elementary by nature. So you have to understand that when children get into that adult or that middle-level adolescence, now the other thing the parents should be very, very much aware of is that middle-level school children are going to be experiencing, you know, the second greatest developmental growth spurt next to infancy. And, and these areas are very critical when you look at the child's emotional, um, social, cognitive, intellectual, and physical changes that occur with middle-level adolescents. So when you have those changes um, to, to both boys and girls coupled with a hidden disability um, of any child who is on the autism spectrum disorder, whether it's ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, autism, dyslexia, Tourette's, you know, mm-hmm. these changes along with being targets because they are perceived as somewhat different you know, will cause further problems for, for children in, in various aspects. And, and the first and foremost is their emotional and social stability, as well as the third critical aspect is academic um, 
academic success. So, uh, you know, that's something to pay close attention to. You know, and, and here's the thing. Most parents, when they say, well, my child's in middle school, I can't take it, they're crazy, the teachers, and certainly if they're not trained in middle-level education, um, many of them are elementary, many of them are high school. But when they're in the middle, they, they just think the kids are, you know, just nuts. And that and that's not the case. When you, when you really un- In order to be a successful <laughs> middle-level teacher, you really have to understand what a middle-level child is going through, number one. Now, number two, you have to understand children who have an IEP or 504 plan have a hidden disability. You know, you have to know that plan inside and out and the safeguards to providing successes for those particular children. Um, and then number three, you really have to be able to just differentiate instruction for these kids uh, and engage them in real-world experiences, which, again, is very seldom done in our middle schools across the country because they all want to either lecture base, you know, to middle-level mm-hmm. kids, um, you know, or you want to turn to page 30 and do questions one through six, which doesn't help kids in the middle level. So right. the whole idea of research on middle-level education, then you parallel it to hidden disability, then you add bullying to it, um, you know, it, it's a fire. It's a, it's a fire. And so these kids, just so we're all clear, when we look at bullying, most parents will, will look at bullying as being two types, and they certainly know the third type, although there's four. The first, they say it's physical. Yeah, we know kids get hurt and their property gets taken, and then you go into that. We talked about the racial and the verbal and the whole teasing aspect, and then we know there's a cyber. But I want you to, parents to understand clearly, when we look at the, the four basic forms of bullying in the United States, we have to add relationship bullying. And I'm not talking about, you know, spats with the boyfriend or girlfriends or husband or wife or whomever. Relationship bullying, just so parents are clear, and this happens a lot. It happened to David. It happens to a lot of children on the, on the autism spectrum is when you do not involve other children in play or social activities. You ostracize them because they're not attractive. And this happens among mean girls. And in the movie Mean Girls, you ostracize them because they're, they're, they're not smart and they're called stupid or retarded. You ostracize them because they're, they're, they're overweight or they wear glasses or they have a hearing aid or they have a, some type of language and, uh, delay, you know, or they have Tourette's and they tick. I mean, this is the types of things that, that we, we need to educate ourselves when you look at relationship bullying, not being friends with somebody, not because you just don't feel that the friendship is a good match, but because there's something very different and horrifying about that child without even saying, hello, my name is, how are you? So, and teachers do this and a lot too. They don't get to know their students well enough, and a lot of them are already targeted within the first 30 days, what we call the settling in period when September starts. Now, we only said, have about a minute the, until we go yeah. to our next break, Dr. Cerullo. So if we could. Okay. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this in a minute. So when we look at the basic forms, let's go to the basic, the three basic forms that address children on the spectrum. And, and they are manipulative bullying, conditional bullying, and exploitative bullying. And I'm sure no one ever talks about those because no one ever talks about children with special needs. And, and their victimization in the world of bullying. And the very first one without before, prior to this commercial break is manipulative bullying. And that is when a child with a special need uh, has a special need is, is actually being coerced and controlled by another. I just want to one thing without us thinking, you know, uh, uh, too much is Jerry Sandusky, who was charged with 54 counts of child molestation and ran a nonprofit with children with special needs 
13 of those counts were children with Asperger's. Now, let's go back to the definition. Child We're going to have to go back to that after the break, though, Dr. Cerullo. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stetman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) We are having an awesome conversation about... um, bullying and uh, anti-bullying and children with special needs with my guest, uh, Dr. Cerullo and his VP, Daniela. And um, guys, before the break, we were talking about um, the three types of bullying that special needs kids deal with more so than um, mainstream neurotypical children. Uh, I guess my, my thought on it is, you know, we talk about all the different types of bullying and we talk about all the stuff that our kids deal with and everything. My thought, I have, I have two thoughts on this that I want to address with you guys because I think it's really important. And the first one is, you know, I already said it, that um, 
we we overuse the term bullying and i think when we start to put like all these different categories to it i in my opinion as a mom when i'm hearing all of that now i'm even more confused because now it's like we're getting in the into the semantics of bullying and what type of bullying is it and you know do i really have to dissect what's happening to my child that much on that much of a of a regular basis and the other thing is <sighs> what is making these kids do this? Because, you know, we can go into the whole pack mentality thing and, and all that other stuff. But the fact of the matter is there's something that's going on that's, first of all, allowing our children to think that the only escape from someone who's saying something that's untrue about us is to kill ourselves. And the other thing is somebody's putting these ideas in our kids' heads that if somebody is different or um, odd, or we don't like what they're doing, or how they dress, or how they look, that we should make fun of them and call them out for what we don't like about them. These are things that children aren't born with. These are things that we put into their heads. So what are we doing to stop this behavior before it even starts? Okay, that was... (laughs) There's a lot there, and, I, and, and he's going to say that, but I just wanted to say one thing before Dr. Sula starts, and that is, you know, I, I think a, a pro, kind of your second question, Tess, about, you know, uh, what's happening in the dynamics, to me, is very important. I'm, a, I'm right you know, I'm a single mom, I'm a divorced mom with two boys, and I have, you know, obviously one on the spectrum and, and one that's gifted, so I have both ends of, of the spectrum here. And I think what I, and I'm saying this personally as a mom, a working mom, and a mom with a child on the spectrum, and a single mom, is that family dynamics are very, very different. They're not like they were when we grew up. I grew up in a big Italian family where, you know, my mom was home every day, and or she worked, but she was home to have dinner on the table at five, and we all sat, and we had conversation, and we talked about our day, and we shared. And that doesn't happen anymore, not so much to any fault of, I mean, some fault to some parents, but but for the majority of it, the divorce rate is so high right now that you have single parents who some have to work two and three jobs, who, who are trying to make ends meet, who have some children in the middle school arena, home after school by themselves, because, I mean, you're not going to get a 15-year-old to babysit a 13-year-old. You know, and, and they're home, and what are they doing? But where's the supervision? And then when that time comes, you know, I hear from a lot of people, you know, I'm so tired. I come home, and I'm exhausted. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to get my stuff settled, and I just want to sit down. And I want, and then and then there's no conversation. How was your day? Good. And the kid runs up to their room, shuts the door, and gets on the computer. You know, there's a lot of parents not knowing what's going on in their kid's everyday life. And is you know, my take on being in that same predicament, although I make sure that I am in my kid's face all the time. What are you doing? Who'd you play with? What'd you do at school? What'd you learn? You didn't learn anything, really? And we think we have this discussion. You know, I, I think the other big piece to it is that um, the lack of accountability that you should be holding your children to. You know, I, I'm, I'm a, a woman raising two boys who are then going to become men. And I think it's important that they understand, again, on the, on the boy element of what respect is. and Because there's parents that are afraid of their children. And, Terry, you and I had this discussion before that, 
you know, there, there has to be some form of respect and missing that. Because if parents, if children aren't respecting their parents, they're not respecting other children. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And here's the thing that's so funny, Danielle. I was, I was raised in that divorced setting and I was raised, I mean, you know, I love my parents to death, but my mom was not the best parent on the planet. She actually was bad at it. I'm just going to say that. And you know what? We have to be able to say that about our parents if we're going to change too. You know, I I love my mother, but respect her as a parent? Absolutely not. But here's the deal. I didn't bully people. I just, I think, I think that, you know, I had, I, I didn't have a lot of rules, but I had a lot of responsibility because I had to raise my mom's other three kids. I didn't mean, I want to clarify because I did not mean that kids who come from divorced families bully because my children don't bully and you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is I think that part, part of some of the issues is that it's unfortunate because parents, have to to be able to work and function and run a household and do all these things that sometimes to no fault of their own, I just think some things slide, you know what I mean? And so, and I'm just as bad. I mean, I'm at fault. You know, we're trying to make your kids have responsibilities and rules. And, you know, I'll say to my kid, well, this is what you need to do. And then they didn't do it. And I don't even bother to, you know, hold them accountable or punish. I do that sometimes. Okay. You didn't make your, all right, I'll just get over it. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And that, that's kind of what I meant. You're right. There are not, like you said about your mom, but then there's a lot of great parents out there whose children then do bully. So that's where Dr. Steve's going to come in and explain the other part of that. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, on the, on the opposite spectrum, I have a daughter who's not on a half and, and certainly with daughters, the perception in today's society is about what they see on TV or what I call the smoke and mirrors of glamor and the media and, you know, uh, she says, oh, that J- Jennifer Lopez, she's so beautiful, Daddy. And I said, but that's not really what she looks like in the morning, honey. That's not, you know, these aren't the way these people wake up. And uh, certainly, you know, my daughter's in a Catholic school where everybody, you know, tends to look the same. However, you'll see in an affluent Catholic school where somebody will have something that the other child does not have. And, and, and so all of a sudden there's a disparity. And uh, when you look at bullying and you say, well, who, who's at fault? Who do you hold the blame? You still have to go back to that Bill Cosby Walton household, where where the dynamics of that nuclear family, which unfortunately, when you look at the variables in today's society, the variables of unemployment, the variables of, of a recession, the variables of divorce, the variables of drugs, and I'm talking drugs in, in affluent homes and drugs in you know low income homes and everything in between. And the dynamics of that divorce rate being higher now than 62.75%. These are some of the things that when you look at whether it's individual, family, peer, school, or community factor, they all contribute to the way a child feels. And if a child feels bad about himself or herself because his mother or father beat them or they didn't talk to them or, you know, the, the father has delusions of grandeur that he or she says, you are not to like black people. They're bad. Or Jewish people are no good. Or Italians are a bunch of guineas or wops or dagos. They're a bunch of pizza makers. You know, that perception, it all starts back with the dad, you know, his dad, his grandfather, great-grandfather. And ultimately, 
if that child is then suppressed, that child says, you know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be picked on and bullying for that child whose father beat on him or the daughter, you know, that was, that was abused in some way, want to gain power. Once you say sure. to yourself, I need to be somebody too, and who am I going to torture so that I can not be like my father or my mother? Now, once they say, I want to gain power, and they want to obtain that power base, you start the criteria, which we never even talk about with bullying. We define it by an imbalance of power, but we don't talk about criteria, that duration, that frequency, that intensity, and that power base. And what mm -hmm. happens is, in, in the long run, it creates a lose-lose situation for the bully and the victim. You know, So, essentially... Over time, the outcome is always going to be a negative one. Somebody's going to get hurt either social, emotionally, psychologically, or someone's going to get hurt physically, or the bully's going to get incarcerated as he or she hits 18, 19, 20 years old. You know? So right. that's the way it is. And, and bullies often see violence as being okay. Now, and the other variable, just to mention, is, is the media. It's children generally by the age of 18 will see nearly 18,000-plus acts of violence. You know, like, I'll give a good example. Miss Daniela, her son wants to play Grand Theft Auto. He loves the game. He wants to play the game. He wants to put the poster up on the wall. She does not allow that. She doesn't want the game in the house. The game promotes violence to kill police officers. Why does Nintendo make these games? And there's no disclaimer that says, well, parents, be, you know, be discretion. You cannot, you know, buy this game. They sell the game. They make billions on the game. But kids get ideas. It's okay to use the gun in front of the TV screen at the arcade. I never let my kid play those games where they either have to shoot targets or whatever. I don't even want a gun in their hand. So right. these are the types of things that as a parent, when you have to say you get licenses for everything in the world, there's no license for saying, I need to apply to be a parent today. Is that okay? I need to take that psychological test. <laughs> no, you're a parent. And now you have to look at yourself and say, what kind of parents or what kind of parent am I going to be and what type of moral value system or core value system am I going to instill in my child? If I tell my daughter, you don't want to like black people because they're no good, they're criminals, or Hispanics, they just steal cars. That's, that, I'm, I'm to be held accountable as a, bad, as a bad father and a bad parent because I am not teaching that all children are equal. I mean, that's what Abraham Lincoln said, Dr. Martin Luther King said, and Jesus Christ said. You know, so exactly. these are the things you have to reflect as a parent. Say, what am I doing right? And what am I doing wrong? And how can I impact upon my child to do things differently? Exactly. You know, and unfortunately, you said it earlier on, when you look at children with hidden disabilities, they need more guidance. They need more exactly. understanding of, of who different people are and different races are and different ethnicities are. You know, exactly. but that's the key. That's what happens. It's pretty basic. It's not some, you know, rocket science of how kids become the way they become. Exactly. What an amazing show. I didn't get to say a whole lot, but I get my, my, my listeners are happy about that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And that's hard for us. <laughs> have an awesome, have an awesome week, everybody. And join us next time on Stop Raising Einstein. Grow immensely. And of course, listen to the show.